on May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Warning. There is no stopping the spoilers. There is only the war. This episode of X-Ray Vision is filled with spoilers about the first episode of Hawkeye and a little sprinkling of stuff from episode two of Hawkeye, but mostly we cover episode one. So be warned, if you have not watched episode one of the show Hawkeye on Disney+, Plus, do that now, come back, listen to us later. My name is Jason Concepcion. Welcome to X-Ray Vision, the cricket podcast where we dive deep into your favorite shows, movies, comics, and pop culture and more. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about the first episode of Disney Plus's Hawkeye. The first two episodes have come out, but we're only going to be covering episode one in this episode. Next episode, we'll be doing episodes two and three. Uh, also on this episode is a new segment called Nerd Out where we have guests come on and just pitch us on a thing that they are a nerd about uh, and let us know what is great about that thing. What what do they love about it? This opening segment, we are having Star Trek superfan Kendra James, one of our Crooked Media colleagues, pitch us on the world of Star Trek. And then to talk about uh, Hawkeye, we are joined by the great Cody Ziegler. First up, Nerd Out. Welcome to a new segment called Nerd Out, in which we invite our fellow nerds to pitch us their favorite fandoms, how they fell in love with it, why we should be checking it out now, and what we could look forward to in the future. This week, Kendra James, producer on Crooked's own Love It or Leave It, shares her love of Star Trek. We look forward to hearing from some of you in this segment in the future. Hey, Jason. Thanks for having me on. This is an extremely familiar setup for me. Uh, I spent a lot of time as a kid alone in my room just, like, talking to myself about Star Trek. Kind of just unsure if anyone was really listening. Uh, so thank you for allowing me to regress a bit today. I guess that was always my setup because Star Trek was not particularly cool when I fell in love with it at age, like, four or five. I feel like I tell this story once a year, sort of each time in, like, a different medium. I've written about it. I've done videos about it. And now I'm talking uh, to you on on X-Ray Vision about it, then kind of the point is, like, I, I've known Star Trek since birth. It's always been in my life. It feels ever-present. Next Generation premiered a few months before I was born, and it was always playing at our dinner table. Like, my parents were definitely um, fans, if not Trekkies. They weren't going to, you know, conventions or, like, dressing up in costumes or writing fan fiction or anything, but they definitely enjoyed the show and I've heard it tossed around before that, especially for, for parents of color, one of the reasons that that might be is that it felt safe and representative um, when you saw Black people on television in 
Star Trek, you knew you weren't going to have to sort of watch historical torture porn or like struggle porn. It was just going to be uh, people going about their their daily business. And there was no risk of, you know, traumatizing your four-year-old while also wanting them to see people who looked like them on television. There were two events that really made me aware of what Star Trek was. I think first was realizing or being taught, again, somewhere around four or five, um, that LeVar Burton on Reading Rainbow and Lieutenant Jordy LaForge were the same person. I didn't understand that, and it blew my mind when LeVar did the tour of the Enterprise on Reading Rainbow. I just didn't get it. And so I started paying closer attention after that because I, I didn't understand the concept of an actor being multiple people, and I was constantly sort of trying to spot similarities and differences like it was a Highlights magazine puzzle. And then the next point where I really was aware of Star Trek and what it was was that I was five when Deep Space Nine started in 93. And I was hooked from the premiere. The idea of seeing Commander Sisko yell at someone like Captain Picard was like, again, it was very shocking. I'd missed the episodes Best of Both Worlds, part one and two on Next Generation, which are the episodes where Picard is assimilated by the Borg and becomes the cutest. And I think I maybe missed those on purpose because my parents knew it was a little bit much for a six or seven-year-old and First Contact hadn't come out yet. So for me, like this humbling of Jean-Luc Picard was like very new and very novel. And so it really hooked me in. And then of course, with Deep Space Nine, there was just the blackness of it all. Um, It was one of the few genre shows that I could go to where characters who were being focused on looked like me. And the only other one I really had during that era was a show called Mantis that ran for one season on Fox. Um, So there just really wasn't a lot. And I hooked on to what I could get, especially since I wasn't allowed to watch that much altogether. So Deep Space Nine really became my tether for the franchise, and I just kind of never stopped watching the series as a whole, except for the Enterprise years. I'm not ashamed to admit that. Um, And DS9 is still my go-to comfort show, and it's a little darker than Next Generation, which I think I liked as a kid, uh, because it made me feel like adult to be watching something that seemed so subversive at the time. But that's Legacy Trek, or classic Star Trek. And I know it can be daunting to try to get into a 90s series where each season usually had like 20 to 26 episodes just because we made television differently back then. But luckily, we're in this weird period where Trek is kind of suddenly cool and there's more series on the air right now uh, than have ever been before. And I think that this making uh, mainstream nerd culture that mostly Marvel really started and helped with is to thank for that. But yeah, so if you want to get into Star Trek, uh, now is the time. You've got your sci-fi action-adventure drama with Discovery. You have a more grounded meditation on aging and grief and addiction with Star Trek Picard. Uh, There's Prodigy on Nickelodeon, which they say is for kids, but is definitely just for millennials who miss Star Trek Voyager and Captain Janeway. And then there's Star Trek Lower Decks, which I think is not only the best one on right now, but has the easiest point of entry. There's only two seasons, and it was created uh, by one of the Rick and Morty writers, Mike McMahon. And it's just this hilarious, yet never too irreverent animated send-up of not only Star Trek, but also Star Trek's fans. Because the four main characters that you're focusing on are just so clearly fans of Star Trek, despite being in it. And it makes it so fun to watch. So So if you're looking to get into Star Trek and you want to get into it without too much commitment, you should find and watch at least season one of Lower Decks. 
That said, if commitment doesn't scare you and you love a show that's serialized over seven seasons of television, Deep Space Nine is still, for my money, the most modern uh, Star Trek series ever created, despite being created in 1993. It's miraculous and depressing how prescient that series is. And, like, seriously, if you Google the Bell Riots and San Francisco, you're going to find some really upsetting parallels to everything that we have been dealing with pretty much for this entire millennium so far. But yeah, I've also just been going to Trek a lot during the pandemic because of the hope that the series embodies. It gives you hope that humanity can sort of figure our shit out because the earth of Star Trek is a place that exists post-capitalism, post-housing crises, post-food scarcity. It's basically like humanity has managed to eliminate most of the problems that make us suck now. And the reminder of that possibility uh, while we've been living indoors and shut off for the past 18 months has been really nice. Yeah, so season four of uh, Star Trek Discovery started last week, and it's dropping probably every Thursday, like for the next 10 to 13 weeks, because that's how many episodes they normally do. So yeah, every Thursday, next 10 to 13 weeks on Paramount+, Plus, you can watch it there. And then there's just like a lot of stuff to be looking forward to as well. Strange New Worlds is coming out, which is a TOS-era series starring Anson Mount as Captain Pike, uh, and his version of Captain Pike was introduced in season two of Star Trek Discovery, which is, for my money, the best season of, two, of Star Trek Discovery. He's great. I'm really looking forward to that show, both for him and for the fact that it's not serialized. Uh, it's basically every episode is a bottle episode. And I think that's going to be really fun and takes Trek back to its roots a little bit, because uh, some of the best episodes... Some of my favorite episodes are those standalone episodes where you just sort of, it's a little plot, might be silly, like they might be playing baseball for an entire episode, but you're, there's character development happening while that baseball game is happening in the holodeck. So I'm, I'm extremely excited about that. And then in 2022, we're getting season two of Picard, um, along with Strange New Worlds, and probably at some point that rumored Noah Hawley Star Trek movie. I know nothing about that, but you know, it sounds interesting. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That's my little Star Trek check-in. Jason, I hope I've piqued your interest a little bit. I'll send you some episode guides or some episode suggestions at some point. Thanks so much for having me, and live long and prosper. Up next, the airlock. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Joining us now to talk about Hawkeye episode one is our good friend, the great and talented, super writer, super funny man, Cody Zig Ziggler Zig. How are you? Um, how was your Thanksgiving week? Uh, it's been great so far. Um, I'm, I'm I'm literally catching a, a red eye tonight, so um, by the time this drops, I will be landing in North Carolina, very very sleepy. So. Uh, It'll 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 be it'll be a good week. I'm 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 assuming it's going to be a good week. I'm crossing my fingers. It's going to be a great Thanksgiving. 
Do you have what is your do you have like a strategy for air travel? Do you have like a Oh. What is your system? Oh, bro, I got a science, yo. I, I show up. Uh, so, I, you know, I, you know, I got a little bit of money. So I, I got that TSA pre-check. No lines for your boy. Yeah, I love it. I, I got up, it. I got that too. I show up 45 minutes before my flight, uh, pop my Dramamine, gone off that Dramamine because so, your boy gets that, that air sickness. <laughs> and then I'm out like a light as soon as the lights, as soon as I get buckled in, I'm out. And I wake up and I'm in my home state. It feels great. I love it for you. <laughs> I am not going home. I, I picked one. It was either this or Christmas. And so I figured yeah. let's go, let's go uh, for Christmas. Mm-hmm. But I wish you the best. Best, best oh, to you, you and yours. That's going to be it's going to be fantastic. I'm excited to talk about episode one of Hawkeye today. Yes. We're going to cover episodes uh, two and three next week because I just had fun. This was a fun. It's mm-hmm. a fun show. Yeah. Let's jump into it uh, via a sort of recap. So episode one directed by Reese Thomas, written by Jonathan Igla, of course, starring our good friend. Jeremy Renner as Clint Barton, <laughs> one of the great examples of Filipino representation in media. Haley Steinfeld as Kate Bishop, mm-hmm. uh, the great Vera Farmiga as Eleanor Bishop, Tony Dalton as Jack Duquesne. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> more on him later. Uh, and then who else appears in this? Uh, Linda Cardellini uh, as Laura Barton, Ava Russo as Lila Barton. We open in a flashback, May 4th, 2012, the day of the Chitari invasion of New York City, the devastating event for which we have now forgiven Loki. <laughs> remember that? Remember when he did this? Yeah, remember when he blew up half of half of Manhattan? Yeah, remember that? There is only the wall. <laughs> <laughs> You know, he's gone through some things. You know, he's been recouped. You know, he's 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 learned his lesson, you know. So we meet a young Kate Bishop and her family's, let's be honest about it, jaw-dropping Midtown Penthouse. <laughs> the bishops are doing great. Big succession vibes. Like I feel like they're right next door to the to the to the Roy's, you know? Like they gotta see I wanna see Kendall on that elevator that they share. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh part of the reason why there's no omnibus for this week is that uh, Kate Bishop is kind of a newer character, at mm-hmm. least in MCU uh, canon. And so, like, a lot of diving into her background, her family and stuff, it felt like it was going to spoil the show. Yeah, yeah. So uh, wait for next week and uh, succeeding weeks for that. But all of which is to say, the bishops are doing great. That's Eleanor <laughs> and Derek, Kate's uh, mom and dad, respectively. They are in the midst of a, a pretty brutal argument about mm-hmm. money. Yeah. Zig. They might have to move out of the penthouse. I know. They might have to suck it down and move to, like, the brownstone. Like, what are oh, they going to no. do? I know. I hate to hear it. Or, like, my... or like upstate or something yeah. really terrible like I that. I hope their security company pulls through. <laughs> Derek and Eleanor realize that Kate is listening at the air vent. So Derek goes to talk to her, and he's, he's like, listen, yada, yada, yada. I'm going to move some stocks around. <laughs> it's, it's like it really is the comic book equivalent of like we're doing business stuff. Stocks are up. We're doing the yeah, thing. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's just like enough to get that scene along. I love it. Yeah. Kate, don't worry about it. I got some stuff. You're going to college full ride. That's paid for. Don't worry about the student loans. You're not going to deal with that. And yeah. we're not leaving the penthouse. Don't worry. And in fact, also – I feel it is my job to protect the family, Derek says, and I will protect you and, and your mom. Mm-hmm. Now, bad timing on that statement because, of course, again, this is the ch- day of the Chitari invasion, the war. Yeah. And uh, very soon the Bishop Apartment and all of New York City are shaking under the Chitari assault. We see 
later on that they're like two blocks from yeah, Grand Central, from which was like popping off. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like right under the portal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Chitari uh, blast a hole in the wall of the beautiful penthouse apartment of the bishops. And through that hole, Kate watches as Hawkeye makes that iconic dive from 2012's Marvel's The Avengers off of the top of a roof, shoots his grappling arrow, swings into the window, and Kate is entranced by this. Mm -hmm. And we know that in that moment, her life has changed. A really fun kind of mirroring of events from uh, her comics canon, where yeah. she also was like, Hawkeye, always her favorite. Yeah, yeah. Eleanor collects Kate, and the two are like, let's get out of here. And unfortunately, very sadly, Derek does not make it. He's one of the only 76 New Yorkers yeah. killed in the attack on Died New York. as he lived, shot by an alien, ran by Galactus. 74, excuse me. Hate to hear it, hate one to of the- it. I hate to see it. One of the only 74. Again, 74, great job by the Avengers. They clearly, they outperformed all the projections. Only 74 people, and one of them is Dirk. At the funeral, Kate tells Eleanor that, and this is a lot to put on a kid. I'm sorry, Eleanor. I think this is, we all handle grief in different ways. Mm -hmm. I think this is a lot to put on a kid. Eleanor is like, it's your job now to protect the family. (laughs) Which is, again... Kate is like nine. Here, what strap do we do? up. Take this yeah. tool. Get busy, queen. Yeah. Get busy. Like, I need you to figure out what uh, what your dad was going to do with those stocks and the portfolio. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So uh, Kate says, I need a bow and arrow. We're all perfect cold open. Like, if this is like, if they were like, this is such an easy one to one to like, this is like the Kate Bishop comic. Like, this is the first five pages you see. Yes. Flash title, and like then you're into it. Flash forward ten years later, it's perfect. What's your what is your method for the perfect cold open? Oh man, you uh, Cody Zig Ziglar, professional writer for TV and Page, <laughs> tell us, <laughs> let us know how do we do it? Uh, well, you know, you got to give them a hint of like what's to come. Like you want to be like, this is the world that we're happening, and this is what's going on. And you know, like you want to plant the seed early on, like this is going to be what their adventure is. And, like this is a perfect example of that. If it's like Morty being like, oh, I want to go to like Ice Cream Planet, <laughs> you want to see him like, I just see why he wants to go to Ice Cream Planet, and like you want to see why Kate wants to become Hawkeye, and like this is the perfect, perfect setup for it. No notes, ten ten. Love it. We're back in the present day, which is probably sometime around 2024 or thereabouts in the MCU uh, canon. Mm -hmm. College student Kate Bishop, a black belt at 15, we find (laughs) out, and a crack shot with a bow and arrow, member of the uh, university archery team, breaks into a campus building, scales to the roof, takes aim with her bow and an arrow with like a tennis ball on the end at the university bell tower. Her friends in contact with her over the phone, they watch from across the quad. Kate lets loose. She hits the bell. There's like a light pong, nothing. Okay, she's like, let's try it again. I'm going to ring this bell. She fires another arrow. This one, beautiful. Hits the rope, shakes the clapper, (laughs) rings the bell. But unfortunately, this bell tower is like so fucking decrepit that it immediately (laughs) collapses. All I know is if I'm Kate, I'm spinning this like I did you a favor because this could have collapsed in a strong wind and killed kids like at any time. They're waiting for an endowment from like the Stark Stark Fund to like rebuild that (laughs) bell tower. It just hadn't hit yet. So no one is killed. Uh, In New York City, Clint Barton and his kids are uh, taking in a showing of Rogers the Musical. And folks, it's a blast. It slaps. It absolutely 
crushes its fantastic. Clint can't help but point out that Scott Lang, Ant-Man, was not present at the Battle of New York <laughs> as he is in the, in the particular yeah. scene that they're watching. The show is a celebration of the heroism of the Avengers, and naturally it bums Clint out because he cannot help but be reminded of his friend Natasha yeah. who uh, perished on Vormir as Clint looked on helplessly, essentially. His daughter, Lila, is like, Dad, you turn off your hearing aid? Now here we get uh, the first MCU canonical mention of Clint Barton being hearing impaired, which is an important part of his character since the 80s, uh, basically. Hawkeye and the family, they leave in the middle of the show, which if the- Rude. Rude, but honestly, like, really- it was, you know, they're a close family because the kids aren't giving him shit about it. <laughs> yeah. They get it. Like, yeah, we, we, we honestly didn't want to be here, uh, but we, yeah. thanks, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> In the bathroom, Clint sees graffiti reading Thanos is right, which is a wild take. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wild take. Also, it's wild that someone would do that at, at a Broadway bathroom. Like they would take the time to write. Yeah. You know what? When he clapped half the universe, he was on the right, yeah, Like, you know what? That was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and some guy asked for a selfie as Clint is unloading his pink arrow into the <laughs> urinal. I, this is always a no-go. Don't do this, folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. Not in the bathroom. Have you ever been approached in the restroom? Gotta wait. Have I ever? No. I, well, luckily, no one knows who I am. So, like, that's the main benefit. Uh, so, like, I'm trying to keep that going, like... But I have, you know, everyone's been in a situation where, like, the dude comes up, like, the stall right next to you. You're like, hey, man, we got yeah. plenty of space. Like, I got a long week span. Let's a- enjoy this, you know? <laughs> Meanwhile, Kate arrives back in the city, uh, tail between her legs after destroying a, a large feature of the campus. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eleanor is getting ready to head to a charity auction. She irons Kate out over the destruction of the clock tower. <laughs> and to show that she is fucking big mad. She mentions that she cancels all of Kate's cards. Got that. Yeah, that's right. Put you in your place. That's when, like, uh, I, uh, you know, everyone's like, how do you relate to superheroes? How do you relate to someone that's from another planet? It's like, this is the thing that I could ever relate to is, like, the ultra-wealthy. I was like, yeah, like, if, if I destroyed, like, a building at a college campus and my big punishment was, like, I can't I can't have my credit card anymore, like, I, I, I wish I wish I could take that. And that's, like, so she still has her bank card and stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah. she's still out here. Yeah, she's probably. Did you ever... In college, I knew a couple of kids who had trust funds. Oh, yeah. Did you ever know anybody who had a trust fund? And so the way it was set up for them was, like, it was my friend Chris, and he was, like, his dad was, like, a vice president at Pepsi or some shit. Like, <laughs> his hobby was, like, he would race yachts, like, down to the Bahamas. <laughs> As one does. Yeah, As I, one does. <laughs> when I was in film school, I knew this cat uh, who, his family, like, was like their country's equivalent of like the Hershey Empire. Like they invented mm. Hershey for like that country. And like one day a professor was like, hey, what's your budget for your film? And dude just showed him his bank account. And he's like, that's my budget, <laughs> man. And he's like, oh, okay, cool. Like I, w- I wish I could get that type of flex. Shout out to my boy Luke. Killing the game. It was incredible to uh, watch my friend Chris who would just be like, it would be like Monday at 12.01 a.m. And he'd just be like, oh, the, my uh, trust fund cash just dropped for the next two weeks. I'm like, love it. Let's, let's, let's go. go let's out go. To eat. let's yeah. go to Denny's. Yeah. Uh, Kate, uh, Eleanor is like, Kate, you got to come to the charity auction. Okay. So Kate goes to get dressed and on the way she notices a sword in the apartment. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It belongs to Eleanor's new boyfriend, the uh, incredibly mustachioed yeah. Jack Duquesne. 
Hello, played again by Tony Dalton, who I guess spoiler. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Even though let's do it. Sue, spoiler. Jack Duquesne is the Marvel villain, the swordsman, uh, whose background and whose relationship with the other characters in this will be revealed by the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is the swordsman. Jack is also going to the auction. At dinner, Clint puts Laura on speakerphone. They're at this uh, wonderful Chinese restaurant. And young Nate spills, immediately folds under questioning <laughs> that the family left halfway through the musical. Your dad is trying to is trying to spin a yarn here, yeah, young yeah, Nate. Yeah. What are you doing? He's covered for all y'all. You got to have his back, man. Natasha would never. <laughs> never. Like, this is, that's the other thing. Clint, as like a hardened former secret agent, partner of the great Black Widow, Natasha Romanoff, has to be absolutely sickened by young Nate immediately just being like, yeah, we left in the middle of the show. Stretch kid, riff. Come on! We find out that the family will soon reunite. Next day, they're going to be together. In the meantime, Clint promises, folks, we're going to have the best Barton family Christmas ever. Back to the auction where Kate has decided mystifyingly to dress not just in all black, but like legitimately like a waiter at an yeah, at yeah, a charity yeah, yeah. auction. To the point where like, I'm like it's not even it's, it's so- not even just like all black, but like in in a waiter's outfit. Yeah, it's like, oh James Bond is pulling up to the party. Let's go. I mean the fit, like her fit was dope. It was immaculate. I couldn't even quite like I'd say that loud. Great. That's a that's a that's a dope fit. So shout out to Kate. She she meets Armand Duquesne who uh, a relation, older relation, the uncle of of Jack Duquesne. And he is a snowy haired gentleman with this kind of indistinct European accent who uh, apparently has known Kate since she was a child. She used to go over to his brownstone with all the other kids and have like rich kid (laughs) events over there. (laughs) Armand mentions that Eleanor and Jack are getting hitched. They're getting married. Oh, you didn't know? Mm -hmm. That's right. She didn't mention it. Armand is, (laughs) and this is a weird vibe. Armand is like, I'm trying to, Talk Jack out of it. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't maybe keep that voice in your head. You don't need to tell yeah, me. Like, why are you telling this to Kate, who clearly didn't even know they were getting married? And now not only does she find out her mom's getting married, but to a guy whose uncle is being like, don't do this. Yeah, what? Now, now, now I got to defend this dude because you're partner with <laughs> yeah. somehow. Come on. Uh, Armand suggests that Jack's motives are not quite on the up and up. Again, oversharing (laughs) by Armand Duquesne. (laughs) Eleanor later apologizes for not telling Kate herself. That's a smart apology right there. Kate, having to process this, goes outside for a walk or just to hang out outside, catch the air. Mm -hmm. She meets a bedraggled golden retriever (laughs) who uh, we know from the comics as as Lucky, Mm -hmm. uh, the future, the soon-to-be future pizza dog, who will soon find a forever home in um, Kate and Clint's hearts and all of our hearts. Our hearts, yeah. Kate wanders uh, into the back rooms of the auction, and she overhears a heated conversation between Armand and Eleanor, and Eleanor plays it off. She's like, don't worry about that. Kate follows Armand through the hallways and the kitchen to the wine cellar where the auction is taking place. And folks, now we're in it. This is sketchy. The <laughs> shit that is going on down here. Let's there's, be real. There's always the eyes wide shut situation happening anywhere within someone that has that many zeros behind their bank account. One hundred percent. And and the, like the number one red flag. First red flag is we're not doing this auction like in the ballroom. We're doing it in the in the fucking basement, like wine cellar. Like why is that? The place where it's happening. Yeah, you're waiting for them uh, to pull out like a piece of like Iron Man's broken suit or something. Like you know it's going to be popping. The very first thing that they're auctioning is like a dinosaur skull, Savage Land drop potentially. <laughs> and then so as Kate is looking on, 
suddenly a very interesting parcel pops up, and that is something that was scavenged from the ruins of the Avengers compound. It is the Ronin sword, which has the blood of hundreds, I don't know, of human beings on it. Yeah, if you're a brown uh, person doing crime, your blood's probably on that. You are dead. Yeah. The Ronin sword and the costume. Armand and Jack both want to bid on it. Jack, Armand is like, Jack, you're broke. What are you talking about? <laughs> you're a broke boy. Yeah. You don't have any money. Armand wins the sword. And just as bidding is about to open on the suit, the wall explodes and a Russian mafia figure is a tracksuit mafia. We were soon to learn a Russian organized crime group strikes. In the confusion, Jack takes the Ronin sword. Kate grabs the suit. And she overhears the Russians mention that their target is another item from the Avengers compound. It mm -hmm. is a watch. Mm -hmm. Now, Kate clad in the Ronin suit takes on the Russians and does a great job. Yeah. Uh, shouts to Kate's martial arts teacher who has <laughs> been training her at a young age. And is obviously like one of the fucking best to ever do it. Yeah, she was getting <laughs> she was getting lessons from Jason Bourne. Like she was taking these cats out. <laughs> she was like, "What's this? I'll take a a, eight, a bottle of eighteen sixty two Pinot and just yeah. like iron out five hardened yeah. Russian organized crime figures." Bop 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 bop. <laughs> uh, <laughs> meanwhile, out on the street, Lucky comes across one of the Russian crime guys who has found the watch. He just like stumbles on it and one in some of the packages that they're sending up to the street. And almost as if he knows like what it is, Lucky grabs the guy's ankle mm -hmm. and the Russian guy is mad at this and he kicks the dog and then Kate comes to the dog's aid and saves Lucky from getting hit by a car. I was actually scared that the dog would get hit by a yeah, car, yeah, yeah. which like, you know, as as we all know, is a thing that uh, does happen in the comics. Mm -hmm. And I just would not be able to take that in live action. Thank you for not doing that. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, the Bartons, now uh, full from dinner, are back in their suite after taking in the tree at Rockefeller Center. Mm -hmm. uh, they turn the TV on, and there's a report on New York One. The great Pat Kiernan, who, let me just say, Pat Kiernan, New York One, he is an actual anchor on New York One, which is uh, New York City's, like, cable news network. And my guy, Pat Kiernan, anytime there is, is something said in New York, in New York, Pat Kiernan is always on the TV. He's this guy dude. is caking up. Congratulations to him. So Clint sees a report that the Ronin has been sighted in New York City <laughs> outside an explosion at a high-class auction. And Clint is like, wait a second, hold on. The suit that I wore to kill you see hundreds the numbers in his head. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Wait a minute. Uh, is someone is running around as me? I can't have that happen. They might frame me for a few other murders <laughs> yeah, yeah, in yeah. addition to the hundreds that I have committed across the globe. I earned those bodies. <laughs> How dare you? So Clint is like, "Okay, kids, you stay here. I got to figure out what's going on with this." And he heads off to investigate. Kate and Lucky, meanwhile, are back at Kate's unbelievable. I don't know what you call this. Like it's, a condo? It's or? like a condo loft. Like, <laughs> yeah. also, there's like a restaurant. There's like a booth in there. So, like, it's like a 90s sitcom set where you're like, I wish I could have Calista's room. I wish I could have Hey Arnold's room when I was a kid. Like, this is the exact vibe that this. Uh, she's got like her, the training facility yeah, there. She's got, she's got like, like the yeah. archery stuff. Yeah. Like, and so, and this is kind of in the comics. Kate basically funds the Young Avengers, like off yeah. her trust fund. Like they, they don't have any money and some of them are not even from this planet. So Kate has to provide the funding for that. And we can see how maybe that could happen here by Kate's, again, 
unbelievable apartment. <laughs> Kate uh, feeds Lucky pizza. Thus, he becomes Lucky the pizza dog. We christen him <laughs> in the year of our Lord. That's his super soldier uh, serum. She's like, okay, I got to find out. Like, something fishy about Armand. I got to find out what's going on with this auction. She breaks into Armand's mansion and finds one buttersc- <laughs> monogrammed butterscotch. Armand is the type of rich where he's like, I don't take anything into my body that doesn't yeah. have my initials on it. <laughs> yeah, what am I, poor? No. We, yeah. got, we got bread, we get this monogrammed candy, son. Pull up. And uh, right after that, Armand's body. Uh-oh, Armand is dead. Kate flees out in the street outside Armand's mansion. She runs into the tracksuit mafia. They surround Kate. She, again, fights them off Mm -hmm. ably for a while. Mm -hmm. But just as stuff is beginning to get out of hand, she locks herself in a car. And while she's in that car, bodies start dropping. What is it? Clint Barton is here. That's right. He Mm -hmm. hauls Kate uh, out of the car into an alley, rips the Ronin mask off of her and sees that it's this uh, young woman. And he's like, wait, what? (laughs) And now we're on to episode two. Zig, what did you think of episode one of Hawkeye? Yo, I I loved it. It was fun. Um, there, like, I had a bunch of thoughts just going around through it. But like, my main thing is like, one, like, you finally like they get they let Hawkeye do something. Like, they give him like he's not just like family. I have a I have a family. I have, right, I have a farm and family. Ask how Mama's yeah. doing. Like he, you get to see him do some stuff. Like you get to you establish that um one that he is like here here in pair. Like that's a big thing. Like you said in the comics, um, huge. Uh, but more importantly, my favorite thing is that, like we get introduced in like some street level Marvel. Like we've never had yeah. true on the ground Marvel. It's always like cosmic threat or universal threat. But like seeing this world, like it, it seems very natural to be like, oh, if I go two blocks this way, am I going to see Kingpin fighting the Punisher? Or like, <laughs> yeah. is, is Daredevil going to like swing by in the background or something like that? Like, I, I love that. And I also, I love that, you know, Kate is very capable, um, but yeah. she still like gets her ass kicked a little bit, which I think is, that's a very common theme for like, fractions um hawkeye in general like yes i like that they're applying like the band-aids i think already and all that stuff or maybe that's episode two uh but like i love what it's setting up for, like ground level street wise marvel I, I love what they're doing yeah that's some of my favorite stuff when i first started collecting comics it was x-men and daredevil mm-hmm. so daredevil was my that was my street level guy and the fraction in an aya series the specific way in which it kind of redefined Hawkeye for an entire new generation of comics readers is by making him this street level guy and leaning into the whole, man, I hang out with gods and super soldiers <laughs> and geniuses. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like a dude with a bow and arrow. Like I'm not hundred percent sure what I'm doing here, yeah. but I'm also like good at what I do. Mm-hmm. It's super, super fun. I love the contrast of like, when Kate, this is episode two, a little, uh, we promised we wouldn't do this, but I'm going to do it. Uh, there's a moment where Hawkeye's like, okay, we need supplies. And Kate is like, oh man, we're going to, shit, we're going to <laughs> Avengers Tower. We're going to fucking the Avengers compound. We're going to some secret, like, shield safe. No, we're going uh, to the bodega, get some Neosporin, <laughs> yeah. get a box of bandages. Like, that kind of... I'm just a guy energy, I think, mm. is what made the Hawkeye comic really fun and yeah. their chemistry together as like her the kind of like reckless hotshot and mm-hmm. Clint Barton the guy who's kind of like done all the reckless stuff is yeah, yeah, yeah. wonderful i love the fact that we basically our entree to the story is basically through Kate mm-hmm. uh, you know for these early episodes which i i think is great 
Yeah, you know, saying that reminds me of like, it's what I find the most enjoyable about like a legacy character. Like we got a little bit of that with like, or I guess we got a lot of that in Falcon and Winter Soldier, but like it was, like they were contemporaries, like Steve and I guess, well, I guess Steve was like 90, but like they've worked together in the past. It wasn't like, (laughs) you know, what I really enjoy about like a legacy passing of the baton is like, yeah, you have the grumpy old Yoda meeting the the wide-eyed optimistic young upstart that's like, isn't it so cool being Hawkeye? Like, no, it sucks. Like I have broken all my bones, all my friends are dead. (laughs) Like there's a, I I think this might be a spoiler maybe no i think it's no it's in the first episode where like you see like how hawkeye lost his hearing like explosions going off and like yeah just bursting like through walls and it, stuff like it's it's cool seeing that aspect and it makes the the baton pass seem so much more uh i don't know fun and fulfilling because it's a younger character like you can then put yeah. yourself in that character like she's you know got a different perspective than think than than hawkeye like her journey seems it's going to be like you know reinvigorating the spark in hawkeye and clint and him being him like sort of letting the shields down and being like, oh, it's I guess it's it's hard, but it's not that bad. Like that's that's what it seems like the journey is going to be. I'm so stoked for that. Yeah, I'm really glad that they brought in uh, his hearing impairment be- mm-hmm. and, and specifically in the way they did, because I think I love there being some kind of effect of like all these battles and mm-hmm. all these losses and some sort of whether it's physical or, or psychological, some sort of trauma that the character is dealing with. I thought that was for me, the most interesting thing about Iron Man three yeah. was that Tony was Tony uh, was having trouble like dealing with yeah. the fact that he had to fight off an alien invasion mm-hmm. and then had come to a place in his own mind where he was like, you know what, I am willing to be the guy that lays down on the wire. Yeah. I will pick up the nuclear bomb and I will fly it through a portal. Mm-hmm. And he was still dealing with that. Yeah. So I love the fact that the Clint that we are meeting now through this is a guy who is trying to leave that stuff behind on mm-hmm. some level and he's just trying to live a family life you know he's got his family back now uh, i love that stuff and it's mm-hmm. just such a great entree into these characters i wanted to ask because this is a not necessarily a theory but it's a thing that i wonder will happen so famously clint's love interest in the comics is a mockingbird mm-hmm. a former shield agent they, their relationship is often described as like uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, you know, yeah, like yeah, these yeah. two secret agents, they fight and they argue, but also like they're just romantically doing espionage shit. Do you think that Laura Barton, we're going to find out at some point that she, I know that there is a mockingbird in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., mm-hmm. which I suspect is not canon anymore. Yeah, yeah. But do you think we'll find out that Linda Cardellini, Laura Barton is like retired mockingbird? I think it, I could definitely see that because like she's one, she's, very she seems as, as she's appeared in the movie she seems so uninterested or unconcerned with like Nick she Fury does not, just yeah. shops up like oh <laughs> Thor's just hanging out on my property cutting wood with Captain America yeah. whatever I've seen it all it I think it's that or if episode six Hawkeye will be like that's my girl my little mockingbird like that'll be like that'll be it I think it's one of the two extremes I think the cooler answer is uh the cooler three would be like shield she's like I ain't taking a bullet for fucking Nick Fury let me just chill <laughs> have these kids <laughs> on this farm you can call me mom or whatever we'll chop wood and play baseball. So we've got now, uh, with the introduction of Kate Bishop, basically the full Young Avengers lineup minus Hulkling, mm-hmm. who I could see us getting in Secret Invasion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is a theory that I have. I think because we know that Yelena is going to show up and we know that Valentina Allegra de Fontaine, Julia Louis Dreyfus is kind of like darker Nick Fury character Mm -hmm. is going to show up in this. I wonder if they're going to try to recruit 
Kate for this kind of like new Thunderbolt slash Avengers oh. team. And then she's going to be like, no, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. And then we get the off ramp into Young Avengers, mm. which she funds and is like this kind of like scrappy street level bunch of young kids oh, yeah. doing their superhero thing. I could totally see that. Um, I could definitely see like this is like I mean obviously this is her origin story, but like she she's gonna have I think she I could see her having her Tony Stark moment at the end where like the A falls off her apartment and you see oh this is what it's all about like I'm gonna fund I'm gonna get my boy uh, uh, Eli in here I'm gonna get um, Kid Loki whenever he shows up and like that kickstarts everything for her. I can't I'm excited for Kid Loki a potential Kid Loki. Yeah. Do you have any favorite like Hawkeye slash Kate Bishop whether it either. Hawkeye or Hawkeye moments <laughs> from the comics that yeah, uh, that people um, should be interested in. There's there's two. There's one when it's like Hawkeye just shows up at this apartment, and like so the the, the fraction comic is just literally Hawkeye is done with the job so he, right. he he moves into like this crappy apartment and he becomes like the shoulder that all the tenants cry on it's just him yes. fighting off the, the tracksuit mafia but like all that stuff is fun but like there's a couple issue run where like we just hang out with kate for like a little bit she's like on the yeah. west coast being like a sleuth and stuff like you really get to see her la her, kate yeah, yeah la kate like she's like there's a really fun panel that I always think of. It's her with like a cell phone. It's like just straight up creeping is like what the panel <laughs> art is. And like, yeah. it's so fun. And, and like that's the energy that like I'm hoping that they're built towards, which seems like they are. Like Kate's fun and personal, great offset to like, you know, grumpy old Hawkeye. But like that's the energy that I'm most excited to see pop through because, you know, a lot of these these series and shows are just or movies have been like the old guard doing the thing. And now you finally like Peter Parker was like the youngest person to be yeah. in the mix. So it's good getting some like young blood energy in there. My favorite stuff is I love her Young Avengers mm-hmm. introduction. There is a panel uh, in there where – so uh, she's hanging out with Marvel Boy slash uh, Novar, mm-hmm. uh, who doesn't like to be called Marvel Boy, but she calls him that. And they've just hooked up. And all of a sudden uh, there is a Skrull attack and Kate flies into action and her internal narration is awesome. And it's done this like really cool like – art style but she's thinking as she's springing into action like i might misquote it but it's like i'm not ready and i have nowhere near enough training but i'm doing this anyway yeah yeah Uh, and that to me is always like especially in the early run of her character is i just love that energy from her Mm -hmm. where it's like she's maybe not quite ready how could you be ready for some of the you've got to go fight hydra and aim and Mm -hmm. like all these other (laughs) international supervillain organizations how could you possibly be ready for that um but she's doing it anyway because she was born to do this yeah i love that stuff and so the first like six issues of young avengers Mm -hmm. where we first meet everybody and then the all new hawkeye series where it was part of like the kind of like all new yeah. uh, movement at Marvel mm-hmm. where different people p- uh, picked up the legacy uh, costume and, and became different Thor, different Captain America, mm-hmm. different Hawkeye. And we get a – I won't talk about what it is because I think that this is probably going to be a lot of the stuff that is revealed later in the series. But we get a really cool retelling slash retcon of – Clint Barton's origin story mm. as basically how he comes to pick up a bow and arrow mm-hmm. told interspersed with kind of Kate's adventures as Hawkeye. And it's just like super cool yeah. and really, really emotionally evocative. This is like the project communion storyline, which involves these superpowered kids and having to rescue them. And that branches off into another timeline, which is a whole nother complicated <laughs> thing that only takes place in Marvel comics <laughs> or comics in general. And 
I hope some of that stuff comes out. Any predictions as we go forward? Man, I think you've already touched on like the, the swordsman showing up. I feel like there seem to be really keying in on like this ground level stuff with like the the bros, the bros in the in the, in the sweatsuits. I hope that we get some like cameos from other street level people like i don't think it'll be someone like you know the daughters of the dragon but like right. i would love to get like a little seed planted like oh this is i don't know this is i don't know what think of any street level character that hangs out in new york like i think that that's what i'm most excited about but i'm also your idea of her this being the 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 ideation of like the 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 uh new avengers or like the young avengers like yeah i'm really curious to see like what happens like episode six like the last five minutes when like she's yeah. sweeping up the burnt out remains of her apartment or whatever and like putting things together like what's that What's that like, pop moment? To be like, oh, I should make the new Avengers. Like, I, I'm, really, <laughs> I'm really excited for that. Springboarding off that, I have one prediction that I think it, from your kind of like street level take. So we know that Echo is going to show up, mm-hmm. and I do wonder if Elektra shows up, oh, yeah. like as. the leader of a a transnational Mm -hmm. uh, Japanese organized crime outfit known as the hand, maybe like that could, I could see that potentially happening, which gives us some cool off ramps into not only various street level characters, but maybe some cool like secret invasion reveals. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then listen, I don't know if this is going to happen, but I do wonder if Clint Barton Hawkeye buys it in this show. Yeah. So Clint Barton, We'll cover this in later episodes of X-Ray Vision. But Clint Barton also wears the costume of Ronan. We know that from the MCU, but he does it in the comics. And But he's not the first person to wear it because he's dead at the time, kind yeah. of. The first Ronan shows up. It's very complicated. He dies in quick succession twice and is, like, <laughs> resurrected twice. Yeah, 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 yeah. We won't go into it. Again, it's comic shit. Uh, but I do wonder if, similar to that, if he does not buy it, Towards the end of this mm, good, series, yeah, buys it or like, or gets like so severely injured that like he can't, or he doesn't, he want can't to do it anymore, yeah. and he just wants to like go home and like just you know chop wheat yeah, on the farm, chop wheat and call <laughs> Linda Carlina mama. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a fun conversation, Zig. Excited to do it over the course of the next few weeks. Up next, the end game. On May tenth, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG 13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. There is no end game. There is only... Actually, we're in the end game now. Today, we're playing another uh, round of Assembly Required in which Zig and I will select something from the two episodes of Hawkeye for a randomly assigned mission and hope that our selections will help our fictional improvised scenario accomplish this mission. Chris, what is the mission that we have selected for this game of Assembly Required? All right. Well, because of the impending Thanksgiving holiday, your mission this week is to pick someone from the first two episodes of Hawkeye to help you cook Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> well, let's say like a big Thanksgiving dinner. Good, like, you know, 10 to 12 people, full family here. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. 
okay. So characters or things from the first two episodes of Hawkeye to help us uh, mm-hmm. make and serve Thanksgiving dinner. Zig, would you like to go first? Yeah, I, th- I have my answer locked in. Uh, sure. This is, this is going to be sort of a, a Captain America situation where, like, they're leading. They're, tele- they're delegating tasks. I'm going to yes. pick um, Kate's two black roommates from the opening of Hawkeye 1. Um, <laughs> I can guarantee you they got the wrist. They know how to cook. They, they come from big families. Um, I'm sure they got the, the cornbread on lock. I'm sure they got the, the sweet potato pie on lock. I'm trusting them. They're my two picks. This is actually fantastic. I love it. I am going to pick Hawkeye and uh, Jack Duquesne, the swordsman. Mm -hmm. Hawkeye is going to season and prepare the turkey using a selection of trick shot arrows. He's (laughs) going to use a seasoning arrow. Mm -hmm. He's going to use a gravy arrow. And he's going to use like some kind of flame arrow in case everything. Yeah, in case everything is like perfectly cooked, and then. To slice all this up to perfection, Mm -hmm. what better job could there be for the rapscallion Jack Duquesne, (laughs) who, listen, this guy loves a free meal. He probably doesn't have money, but he does have Ronan's sword, which, listen, hopefully has been cleaned thoroughly to get all the human blood off of it. Mm -hmm. Let's hope that happened. And then after that has happened, we're going to have the swordsman get in there and, and slice up the turkey to perfection. So that everybody can have the perfectly sliced piece of turkey meat mm-hmm. for their plate. Folks, that's it for the end game. Let us know what you think. Who won? Who would you select from the first two episodes of Hawkeye to help you serve Thanksgiving dinner? Hit us at hashtag XRV Endgame to give us your pick. It's a big thank you to Cody Ziegler for joining us today on another episode of X-Ray Vision Zig. Where can people find your wares, find you when they need to find you in a moment of need where they're like, we need Zig, the Z, I'm throwing up the the Z sign into the sky. Where can they find you, Cody? If you need me, find me at Yay for Zig across all them social media platforms. I will appear uh, like, a, like a dark knight and help you out. Uh, if you're interested in reading the comic book shit, which I'm assuming you are because you've been listening to this yeah! podcast for months now, <laughs> check out Amazing Spider-Man number 79. That drops, uh, I think, to the day that this episode releases. Uh, so that'll be Ooh! out. Uh, come through, support your boy, uh, and see what I got to say when it comes to whipping and quipping. If you want to learn more about what we explore in each episode, check out our listener's guide on all things X-Ray Vision in the show notes or on the Crooked website as the holiday season approaches. Now is the time to give back to the things that you love. Give X-Ray Vision the gift of five stars. Five stars only. And a positive review on Apple Podcasts, please, or wherever you get your podcasts. If they allow you to leave a review, leave leave a great review. Starting next week, December 3rd, we're going to be moving to a Friday release, which will allow us to catch all of the Marvel magic going forward as they release on Wednesdays. We need a couple of days to watch that and, and get the content to you. Again, catch the latest episode of X-Ray Vision on Friday starting next week, December 3rd. X-Ray Vision is a Crooked Media production. The show is produced by Chris Lord and Saul Rubin. The show is executive produced by me and Sandy Gerard. Caroline Reston and Carlton Gillespie are our consulting producers, and our editing and sound design is done by the great Vasilis Fotopoulos. Thank you to Brian Vasquez for our theme. See you later. There is no turkey. There is only the ham. <laughs> Every Loki line read 
from Marvel's The Avengers yeah. is the fucking greatest yeah. thing that has ever happened. Oh, that, the, the intro lines he has were like, I am burdened with glorious purpose. One of the I coldest burn. lines. One of the coldest but, uh, lines. When he, when uh, Natasha is interrogating him, like unbeknownst to him, interrogating yeah. him, and he goes, ooh, <laughs> it burns you, doesn't it? <laughs> Having so much fun. He really is just like eating it up. 